the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today marks a significant anniversary for me, uh, a year here at Church of Reconciliation. And so for the last, I don't know, uh, week or more, I've been thinking about what that might mean and uh, the story of how we've gotten here and what the last year has looked like. And uh, really, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Even after I would get off work in the evenings, I found myself on runs and on drives just thinking about our life together over the last year. And really, to get a good idea of what the last year has looked like, you have to go back even further. Because in 2019, in the summer of 2019, uh, my own world was kind of in upheaval. Uh, I did not grow up in this diocese. I was not called to be a priest or did not discern to be a priest in this diocese. Uh, I came from the central Gulf Coast. But I went to school in Austin, and I did my field ed just down the road at St. David's, and I got offered a job there. And really, when I took that job, I thought, this is, my, this is my life for the next five or six years. I was working with this amazing rector named Lisa Mason. I wanted to work with her. I wanted her to mentor me. And I really felt like that's what the next at least half a decade of my life would look like. And I remember, in I believe it was just before June, uh, she came to me and told me that she had taken a job in New York and that she wasn't telling the church for a few more weeks and I remember what it was like to carry that, to, to know it every Sunday that my life was about to change but not be able to really talk about it. By October, she was in New York, and the world was still normal at that point. But by the time we got to early 2020, everything had changed. I remember that Laura and I had went home the last time we saw our families since before COVID in February of 2020, and I can remember we were supposed to stay an entire week, but we ended up driving back to Texas on a Saturday instead of Sunday because I was just confident that we were not going to have any toilet paper if we didn't get back to Texas. <laughs> and I can remember that drive on the way back going, should I stop at this H-E-B? Or this H-E-B. And I looked back into the back with our dogs and our luggage and our dog kennel and go, how much of those 96 packages of toilet paper can I fit in here if I stop at one of these locations? So then the world began to change very quickly. And it wasn't just my own life that was in upheaval, but it was really the whole world. And things began to change very quickly. I was in six searches at the time. It's really crazy to think about. But if we go back into 2019, what's interesting, now that I reflect on it, is that in June, I had no idea where my life was leading me. I just knew I had about a year left at St. David's. And I knew then Lisa was leaving, and I was trying to imagine what it would be like to remain in this diocese. And I reached out to the bishop in July and asked if I could have a meeting with him to talk about my future. And then it was two weeks, I think, before I got a reply. And I can remember sweating bullets waiting for him to set this appointment. And finally, in August, I had a chance to sit with him. I was looking back through my emails last night. I believe it was August 19th of 2019. And I sat in the bishop's office and we talked about all of the possibilities of what it might look like if I stayed here. And Robert had just retired, maybe just a few weeks before this. And I remember telling the bishop as I was getting up out of his office, I know I'm new, I know I'm new to the diocese. I don't even know if you'll allow me to do this, but when the search opens at reconciliation, if you'll let me put my name forward, 
I just would love to be in that search. The truth that I need to tell you this morning is that in some way, way before I ever knew any of you as individuals, I knew the reputation of this church and the kind of place that this was. And this was the model of the kind of place that I wanted to be. So I'm still pinching myself that I'm here this morning. Now, what's interesting though is we're, we're finishing up year one. And year one for me has been all about survival. It's really just been about keeping our heads above water during COVID. And I just need to tell you, we're, we're not out of the woods yet. Life is probably still strange uh, for months, if not years to come. We'll, we'll be adjusting to the things that have happened to us over these last 14 to 15 months for a long time. But what's interesting is, is that any anxiety or whatever that I felt about being called to this new position, I had to just forget about and we had to focus on surviving. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to have joined Judith and the rest of the staff here because really they were already had this place running so smoothly. But really, the task of the last year has been survival. But as we move into year two, survival can't be the only thing that we think about. Survival can never be just the mission of the church. There always has to be something more. It can't ever just be about us existing just for the sole purpose of existing. And so the gospel passage that we read this morning perhaps might be the most interesting and relevant and important passage of scripture that we have read together this year because it offers us a blueprint of what year two and beyond can look like. I love this story. Jesus' ministry is just beginning to grow. People are crowding him in the streets. They want to see what is next, what he's going to do, what he's going to say. And they're pressing in on him to the point where he can hardly move. And suddenly, out of nowhere, this religious leader, Jairus, comes up to him and lays prostrate in front of him and begs him because his daughter is so sick he believes that she is going to die. This is a man with position, power, influence. He is at the upper echelon of his community. He is so important that the author writing this calls him by name. Sometime when you have time, just flip through the scripture and think about how many characters who interact with Jesus are actually called by their name. It's not very many. And so Jesus says, let's go. Let's go to your house. Let's go see your daughter. Let's intervene in the situation. And on their way, something else happens. What we have is a story within a story, a collision point, an intersection. Jesus is on his way to heal this little girl who's only about 12 years old, and suddenly there is another woman. But she doesn't come directly up to him. For about the same amount of time that the little girl has been alive, she has been suffering. This woman, we are not given her name or her identity. We're only told her ailment. For 12 years, she's been suffering, suffering with a hemorrhage. She cannot stop bleeding. She has expended all of her finances. She has nothing left. Probably if she lived in our society today, she actually has less than zero because she's been living on credit, trying to get the physician and the care that she needs in order to survive. This woman is on the opposite end of the spectrum as the religious leader. And not only this, just her situation has caused her to be unclean according to the holiness code. If someone were to bleed, they would literally have to leave camp or they would have to be outside of the city because to have any type of like bodily fluids come out meant that that person needed to go and be ritually cleaned. 
So she's not only metaphorically on the margin of society, but she is literally, for the last 12 years, being pushed to the extreme margin of society. No one knows her name. She has lost everything. But she has reached out in helplessness and desperation, and in touching Jesus' garment, she has been healed. Now, the rest of the story is interesting, too. But I want to stop there because I think that this is one of these occasions where we might get distracted by the miracles. Yes, Jesus does miraculous things. Yes, God can heal us. Yes, God even has the power to raise us from the dead. We know this. But the most interesting thing that the story, I think, has to say to us this morning is that the body of Christ, that Jesus has something to offer every single person in the world, no matter where they sit on the spectrum of socioeconomic or whatever our standing is in society. No matter if you are a first-class citizen or a second-class citizen. No matter if everyone knows your name or no one knows your name. No matter if you have all the money in the world or you've spent everything trying to survive. Why is this interesting to us this morning? Why is it relevant to us today? Because we live in the midst of this story, not just as a people and as a society, but here on this campus, we are at the intersection point between million-dollar homes and Section 8 housing and everything in between. There are people who live in this neighborhood whose names are on billboards, and there's people who walk through here that will never know their name. We live in the midst of this story. This is our story. And the thing that we can take away from this passage today, this reading, is that Jesus, the body of Christ, has something to offer each of these people no matter where they exist on the spectrum that society lays out. The body of Christ becomes balm for the rich and for the poor, for the powerful and the powerless, for the influential and the helpless. And our job, I believe, in year two as a community is to figure out if we can answer yes to this calling, to say yes to be the body of Christ at this place. Again, I don't mean metaphorically. I mean right here in concrete context on Barrington and Starcrest. Will we be the body of Christ? Will we welcome everyone, no matter where they live, no matter if we know their name, no matter how much they have in their bank account, or if they've never had a bank account at all? This, I believe, is the calling of year two and beyond. This is the calling of every church, but specifically, it is the calling of reconciliation. And I hope that you will join me in saying yes to being the body of Christ. Amen.